Hey, bays! I have something really, really exciting to share with you all today. So in celebration of a little juju podcast, new season and relaunch, we're having our first ever live show and little reception in my hometown of Baltimore, Maryland. This event takes place July 7th, 2022 at the Parkway Theater right here in Baltimore. Doors will open at 6.30 p.m. and the show starts at 7. And this also happens to be right before my birthday. So you already know what time it is and how we're coming. We're celebrating together. Please come and join us. We'll have drinks, music, and a live taping of the podcast. And of course, me. I can't wait to see you all there. Please wear your mask that is mandatory for entrance into the parkway and a negative PCR test or proof of COVID vaccination. Can't wait to see you on July 7th. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Later. I have a few medium psychic friends that when we all hang out, it's giving liquor and black and mouths, and we go. Like we're just reading each other back and forth, talking, talking, reading shit, saying shit that's about to happen in the world. And it's just such a it's such an energizing experience. But we need that liquor and some black and mouths. And we just go. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. Hello, hello, bays, old and new. Welcome, welcome, a kawaba, bienvenidos. I need to learn another word for welcome to a little juju podcast, the womanist witchy insight podcast, diving deep into pop culture, the black healing journey, and the ancestral spiritual systems that help set us free. This is the hashtag black ass spirituality show, and I'm your host, Juju Bay, a psychic, a hoodoo, and orisha devotee, and most importantly, never forget it. A bad bitch witch. I hope you all are enjoying your hot girl summer, hot person summer, hot boy summer, hot summer. I know I have been. I've, I've been trying to at least every moment that I can get outside and also remain COVID free. You will find me there at the outside functions. I've been with my friends and family and yeah, I've just been trying to enjoy, you know, going to the festivals, still keeping my distance, but also in the mix. It's possible duality. I've been figuring it out. We're all figuring it out. So I've been thinking more about my relationship to uh, alcohol and drugs, specifically like weed um, and alcohol or what we call grass in Baltimore. I don't know what y'all call weed where you're from, but in Baltimore, we call it grass. Pots. Do people still call it pot? <laughs> I don't know. The pot is still a thing. Um, but yes, weed, but grass, whatever you call it. Um, I don't know about y'all, but my ancestors turned up. If you've listened to previous episodes, I've talked about, you know, my ancestors having run shot houses, which were places that people drank and smoked and gambled and had fish plates, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, and I also just come from people who were also alcoholics. So my relationship to, you know, drugs and alcohol is, it's expansive because I feel like I've witnessed every aspect of it, like how it can be super healing and also how it can be really 
harmful and has been harmful. So before we get into that, I kind of want to differentiate as we are going to talk about these substances today, like how I define, you know, drugs versus plant medicine, et cetera. So for me, well, I looked up the definition of drugs, just like, you know, WebMD girl definition. And the definition there was a medicine or other substance which has a physiological effect when ingested or otherwise introduced into the body. So that is the definition of what we will call drugs. And the show being geared toward Black folks, I know as Black people, we tend to have, particularly Black people in the U.S., in America, we have a very particular relationship to drugs because of the war on drugs, because of the crack epidemic and the very real uh, component of the government controlling substances in certain communities and really pushing drugs in certain communities that led to increased death, that led to us, just that led to more harm in our communities, point blank period. And so I think we always have to keep that in mind when we talk about drugs or and when we talk about plant medicine, that there is a very real, I think, singe on our community because of drugs from the past and still today, we still deal with that. And so I am from Baltimore, as many of you know, Baltimore, Maryland. And if you're not familiar with Baltimore, it, it's a it's a great city. It's a small city in Maryland. It's full of a lot of culture, a lot of really great artists and art and muralists, and we eat crabs and all of that. But on the flip side, I think when I meet people and they know I'm from Baltimore, they're like, oh, The Wire. And The Wire is like a show that was about Baltimore City, which basically was about war-torn cities and crime. Not war-torn. It feels war-torn to be here sometimes, but like drugs, crime, violence. And that's something that Baltimore is also really known for and I don't like to romanticize it as it is always amazing like no it's actually a really difficult city to live in and um, it's one where you visibly see people who are addicted to drugs constantly so if you are from here and you're from the city you probably grew up seeing whether your family family friends your neighbor people your parents grew up with people that you grew up with you probably will see them outside at some point completely strung out my neighbors be strung out. I go outside, see people strung out every day. It's just a, it's a common thing as seeing the sun come out. So that is another layer of how I'm coming to this conversation. And people who like me maybe grew up in a city environment because you're, you're so used to seeing the impacts of drugs like in your own community. Now, I did not grow up with anyone who was addicted to drugs in my family, in my household, but my friends did. So my friend's parents, you know, was doing drugs. Again, it was super common. I didn't have it in my own home, thankfully, but plenty people that I know and love are parentless because of drugs. So that also impacts how I feel about (laughs) drugs as well. So... Okay, so, okay, that's drugs. That's that's the feeling of drugs. That's kind of how I'm coming to the conversation of drugs. Now, when we talk about plant medicine, I looked up this definition and plant medicine can be defined 
as like medicinal plants where the plant possesses therapeutic properties or exerts beneficial pharmacological, child, what are words, effect on the human or animal body. Essentially, I think how we define drugs, I would say plant medicine is very similar to that from the just regular definition, but with intention. So when people are engaging in plant medicine, i.e. mushrooms, i.e. ayahuasca, iboga, et cetera, we'll talk about that. They're doing so in a ceremonial purpose or with the intention to heal, with the intention to probably have some type of physiological and psychological experience that they hope will shift how they see the world, how they see themselves, how they see other people, et cetera. Um, So that's how I think about plant medicine. And again, people consider plant medicine drugs, drugs. I don't really have, I think, I think it can be all the things because essentially you can use anything to feel better or feel worse. Like that's just kind of what it is. It's the duality. So I don't want to come to this conversation from a judgmental space uh, because I really actually don't judge anyone's usage of anything. And I've had my fair share (laughs) of, of things. So um, I, I want it to be a holistic framework and actually hold this conversation with like a lot of care. Um, so my general thoughts are that everyone should just take the time to get to know who they are and what their intention is behind using any substance. And I will also add when it comes to drugs, like I was talking about my experience from being from Baltimore and seeing the negative effects of drugs, but drugs are also like <laughs> Tylenol and Aleve and medicine and uh, shout out to all my Lexapro girls, like all, all the things that we need to take care of ourselves and our bodies. My relationship to weed has, or grace period, has changed throughout my life. I started smoking... Ooh, almost 10 years ago. <laughs> Not me sounding like an elder. Um, I started smoking like maybe 10 years ago. And when I was in school, when I just kind of end of high school, going into college, I started to consume. And when I was in college, I was known as the girl who like was blowing down. Like that is what I was the stoner. I just had weed people knew to hit me up to connect you to the like I was I was the weed girl me and my friends we just smoked we smoked at the lake we smoked at the house we smoked in the dorms child I got banned from Morehouse campus from smoking in the in the um garage with my boo at the time I'm not I'm still not allowed to go on Morehouse's campus because of weed I have been on the campus though don't tell me um but yeah like I I was that girl I was the stoner and Honestly, I don't know if I would have gotten through Spelman without that medicine. At the same time, it really made it harder for me to get through school. Like it's this, it's this weird relationship that I had to. Like it kept me honestly sane. It kept me sane. And Spelman, that was my school, but it was just a lot of things there that were really hard to like witness. And and I went through a lot of really hard experiences and traumatic experiences there. Um, And so it kept me grounded enough to to get through it. But I also feel like sometimes it just made me not 
give a fuck about anything. <laughs> but I mean, here I am. So it, it, it was, I had a very complicated relationship too. And so I think maybe a few years after I graduated, I just kind of slowly started to decrease my intake of it because I, I think that it started to affect me the more I started excelling or growing rather in my spiritual practice. And I think the the things that it used to do to help me, I was recognizing in my body that it wasn't doing those things anymore. Like it started making me paranoid. We well, didn't make me paranoid. Like it made me calm. It made me feel happy. It made me feel like my anxiety was was low enough so that I could continue. But then it was doing the opposite. I'm like, okay, why am I afraid? Why do I feel like someone's about to call the police? Why do I feel like I'm seeing ghosts? Like I think as I started to like really see and feel without a substance, having the weed there, it just didn't, it wasn't mixing. And I know that for a lot of spiritualists, it does mix. And so they do consume before readings and it can help. And sometimes I do, but for the most part, I think it it overwhelms me and it does the opposite effect of what it used to do. So that's kind of how my relationship has shifted. So it's not that I don't appreciate the medicine, of weed, it just don't, it was there for me when it needed to be there. And now if I like wanna write music, I definitely will go to weed. If I'm with my friends and they passing the blunt around, I'll hit it, you know, I can still roll. Like I'm still, I still wanna be in the mix, but I'm not facing 10 blunts <laughs> anymore and going on about my day. Normally I would be out for the count. So I recognize how I, I'm, I'm getting older, child. I can't do the things I used to do, but shout out to y'all who can. And it's so interesting because we have all of these message, we have all of these messages Previously, I don't see the, these things too much anymore, but I grew up in a, you know, 90s child born in the 90s. So I grew up with like Dare the Crime Dog and all of these things telling us that weed is bad. Every drug is bad. Oh my God, you're going to die. Like you can't even look at it. Your eyes are going to burn out type thing. So we have that messaging. And then now I feel like we have the messaging of there's nothing wrong with weed. Like it's positive. And the government has tried to lie to you and it only has health benefits. And I really think that it's somewhere in the middle that people don't always talk about. Like, yes, it does have a lot of health benefits. Yes, it can help people with anxiety. Yes, it does all these amazing things. And no, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, there's things that are legal, quote unquote, even though weed is becoming more legal, whole other conversation, whole other topic. But there's things that are more legal and socially acceptable that aren't weed that probably are worse for our bodies than actually weed. And yet it don't work for everybody. And no, it is not healthy for everybody. And no, it, it does not calm everybody down. Like there's a place in the middle that we can find ourselves. And so when you're engaging in your spiritual practice, you need to figure out where on that spectrum you lie. Is it confusing you? Is your mind in a tizzy and you can't think and you feel more disconnected from your spirits? Or does it completely have you tapped in and you're like, I got this. I feel more in tune with my gifts. I feel more in tune with who I am. My anxiety's calmed down, et cetera. Figure out where you fit on that spectrum because it's not going to be the same for every person. And weed is not the only 
substance that people use to connect. When people ask me about smoking, I think they're typically talking about weed, but smoke, you can smoke a lot of things. And I really, really love to smoke tobacco when connecting with my spirits. My grandfather smoked cigarettes. Every time I smell a cigarette, I just feel like my grandfather's around. He is around because he just, you know, the people that just just smell like a cigarette, <laughs> but it's almost like comforting because that was your person. Yeah. So that's how I feel about cigarettes. So when I smell cigarettes, I, I feel really in tune with the spirit of my granddad and the people who I grew up with who smoked around me or with me or who were always smoking. And traditionally from a spiritual context, tobacco is a way to call on spirits. It is what is used in ceremonies like misas and misas happen in like espiritismo, spiritual spaces where there's like a seance essentially. It's basically a seance where a bunch of mediums come together and get possessed and share messages with each other or share messages to a community and a whole bunch of things come up. Misas are super intense. But many times to start out a Misa, you start everybody smoking if you smoke. Like we're all sitting in a circle in a room with our all whites on, lighting it up. Most people are smoking cigars. Very rarely somebody will smoke cigarettes. But the main thing is like this tobacco, like the energy of the tobacco is what allows us to be possessed. So I know everyone doesn't smoke tobacco or isn't interested, but when you're engaging in it in a spiritual way, sometimes it's not even like you're smoking. Because if you're experiencing possession and you're smoking, it's like the spirit smoking. And I know it's like, wait, what are you talking about? But no, that's really how it is. I know plenty of people who don't smoke, but they go into Misa, they're mounted or possessed by a spirit and they are taking, they are killing packs of cigarettes. And when they come back to, they're like, they feel fine. They don't even feel like they smoke. They're like, oh, okay. Because it wasn't really them smoking. So it's it's a really, the, 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 the medicine, the plant medicine of tobacco is super, super powerful and super strong. And them spirits absolutely love it. It's like once they smell the tobacco, they know to come. Now there's also ayahuasca and iboga. So ayahuasca is a plant that is native to the Amazon, I believe. So definition of ayahuasca, which I've never taken by the way, but would like to, it's a South American pan-Amazonian psychoactive brew used both socially and as ceremonial spiritual medicine among the indigenous peoples of the Amazon, but it is growing in usage in Western society, including multiple ayahuasca churches, as well as ayahuasca ceremonies. So basically people who want to consume or do consume ayahuasca do so for a ceremonial purpose. And what I know of my friends and people that have taken ayahuasca is that I believe they also call her the mother when you're in ceremony. Yeah, so the mother basically is there to help bring up some past traumas, you know, heal the inner child, some things that you may be holding on to. They all come up in the ayahuasca ceremony. They come up spiritually. They come up emotionally. It can be a lot of crying. It can be a lot of vomiting. Like things are coming up that you've needed to let go. So it totally makes sense why it has grown in popularity because we got a lot of things that need to come up. And 
Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of different ceremonies. If you are interested in that, you probably should talk to someone in your circle who maybe has done it or known because you want to get recommendations on like, is this a safe ceremonial place to go to? Are these folks who put on these ceremonies reputable? Do other people go to them? Do they have positive experiences? I don't know how much doing your Googles will help in finding the people, but if you're just wanting to know more about the practice and the ceremony and the mother, I would definitely recommend you do your own. All you need is a little juju research. Now, iboga is a shrub that is used for ritual and ceremonial purposes as well in some African cultures. Just like ayahuasca, it has hallucinogenic effects. Now, I'm super, super interested in iboga mostly because ancestrally, I would probably be more connected to Iboga than I would ayahuasca just because Iboga is literally grown in like Central and West Africa, which is where a lot of our ancestors are from. And Iboga contains chemicals that cause like brain stimulation. So the root bark of the plant contains the chemical of Ibogaine. And Ibogaine is 100% illegal in the U.S. because it has a potential for abuse, they say. But it's interesting that Iboga is also used for people who are dealing with addiction, like addiction to heroin, addiction to morphine, addiction to other opioids. And this plant medicine would be used to help people move through that addiction or cut their addiction. I've heard story from an elder woman who talked about using any bogus ceremony on people who were dealing with addiction and that their addictions were cut. They were not interested in their drug of choice after that ceremony. So it is a really, really, really powerful plant. And often the things that are super, super powerful and healing are deemed illegal in the United States. So I'm not saying people aren't doing them. They are. But it's extremely hard to find someone who would be administering something like that. And you would want to have someone who really knows their medicine because I don't think Iboga is for the faint of heart. I'm not saying ayahuasca is, but it seems to be a little bit more accessible and more people have studied it. Iboga is kind of like are you really about to be into this and do you know the right people kind of situation? So now, of course, as I was saying earlier with, you know, weed, primarily weed, if you're unsure if you should be engaging in really any of this, you can ask your ancestors, like go to your spirits and ask them and don't feel like they're going to be judgmental. I mean, Quiet as it's kept, some of them might be judgmental, but not all of them. And some of them probably was doing this stuff anyway. And particularly our old, 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 old indigenous ancestors were probably engaging in something that would be deemed illegal today. So just asking them, like, is this the right path for me? If you're feeling disconnected from your spirit, you're like, do I need some type of transforming substance to help me in this journey? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that is okay. It's not all bad and it's not all good. Like it's it's somewhere in the middle and you have to figure out again where on the spectrum you lie so you can decide if this would be something supportive for you. Because I know people whose lives have been changed, 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 changed from like ayahuasca and even shrooms. 
I'm team shrooms. I think shrooms are great. I I think it's it's about your intention behind the usage. I mean, some people take shrooms to like, hey, okay, hey, you know, some people microdose as a form to just like chill, feel chill, just go about your day normally. And some people take uh, shrooms medicine in order to like really feel and to really see and to really confront some of their thoughts and confront some of the things that are happening in our world around us that we don't always allow ourselves to see. So it, 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 if you feel like if you're listening to this, you're like, I think I might, you might, but I would seek confirmation from your spirits or your ancestors, or even get ask someone in a, uh, in a reading, like ask a, a reader, like, Hey, I've been considering using this type of medicine. What do my ancestors say about this? Cause they could be like, uh-uh, baby, don't you touch no shrooms. It ain't going to hit you. Right. But what you can do is ayahuasca. Like they might give you another option. So, you know, you never just be open. And again, it also might not be for you. And that is okay. <laughs> that is okay. We have to remember that everything ain't for everybody. And that's true. We all don't build our altars the same. We all don't pray the same. We all don't practice the same spiritual traditions. We all have, there's different African traditional religions. They're not just one. There's so many. So everything isn't for everybody. Find out what works for you. And particularly when it comes to um, substances. Now, me, myself personally, I have been advised to step away from some particular substances or to cut back from particular substances, particularly from my Orisha, not so much my ancestors, but my my Orisha. So for those who don't know, the Orisha are forces of, of nature, essentially. And we all have Orisha. Orisha are everywhere. We engage with them all the time. There's an Orisha of the wind. There's an Orisha of iron and metals. Like there are, there are different Orishas of that explain sort of the universal <laughs> mysteries. And I have had multiple Orisha readings be like, girl, you need to chill with that drinking. You need to relax with that drinking. We're not saying that you can't drink because the Orisha will also tell you you can't drink. And there are many people that I know who are priests in the Orisha tradition who have taboos, which means uh, things you can't do, sacrifices that you have to make of not drinking. So I have not been told I cannot drink, but I have been told I need to be very mindful of getting too drunk. And they say that because they're like, your mind is not clear enough to get as drunk as you be getting. And I was kind of annoyed by that because I'm like, I mean, I ain't hear nobody. I'm just having a little drink. Like, it's fine. But when I really, when I removed that first layer of like, y'all not about to tell me what to do. Like, I'm fine. I, 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 I do do too much. Like I've done way too much. And so I think my opinion on being too drunk is like, do I have the mental capacity to make safe decisions? And, and when I'm honest, I know that I've made plenty of unsafe decisions <laughs> while under the influence of alcohol to the point that it's truly amazing that I'm here and my Orisha and my spirits want me safe. So, you know, I keep it cute now. I don't get too lit because I'm not supposed to. And also I know that it is for my, my betterment and it is for my benefit. Like, and I love a drink. I love a drink. One thing about me, I'm gonna have a drink, 
But that desire to just sometimes overdo it, it doesn't really serve me much at all. So, so yeah, your spirits could be coming in and telling you if you've been kind of engaging with whether that's alcohol or smoking, whatever it is, and you kind of feel like, I don't know how my spirits feel about this, but I feel like they don't feel too good about it. You may want to dig deeper and inquire about what that is that you, you are feeling because it could be, okay, you've been doing too much or some people... Um, I have a friend, she can't drink, and it was a taboo. She's not allowed to drink dark liquor. So she can have light liquor. Preferably, she can have wines, but she can't drink dark. Now, that's her own personal taboo, but it could be something like that for you. So it's not like drinking is bad. It's like, okay, you can't do this kind, but you can do this this kind, so have at it. Now, again, that was my specific Orisha, so if you know that you walk with Obatala, which is the Orisha of the white cloth, the Orisha of purity, the Orisha who got too drunk when making humans and started fucking some humans up because he was so drunk. If that Orisha is around you or walks with you, it could be a sign like you got to chill with the liquor because that's who showed up for me. Now, in regards to my ancestors, again, they never really told me like to chill with the alcohol. They actually like alcohol. They ask for alcohol. They enjoyed alcohol when they were living. So I always keep alcohol on my altar because I know that's what they like. Now, depending on who you ask, people will say that you have to be careful. And I think why people say that you have to be careful is because our ancestors can also ask for things in excess. And sometimes when they were excessive, when they were alive, they be excessive when they're dead. And again, I told you, I came from some people who really liked alcohol, what you would consider alcoholics. And so sometimes I do think like, should I have alcohol on my altar all the time when I know you, you and you was alcoholics? But I don't give them a ton. I give them a little shot glass, sometimes a half a shot glass. It's not always filled up. But I do fill it up regularly because I know that they like it and they enjoy it. And it's just one of the things that they they ask for. And I haven't seen any decrease or decline in how my ancestors connect with me or how they work with me and for me because of the alcohol that I'm putting on my altar. But if that is not for you or you come from some ancestors who you know were not drinking like that and they think drinking is an abomination, I wouldn't suggest that you're putting alcohol on your altar. They may not like that. They may see that as disrespectful. Again, everything ain't for everybody. As for me and my ancestors, yes, they're always going to have some gin. Sometimes they like a little brown. For the most part, they like they like gin. So that is what I keep up there. But I would again ask your ancestors see how you feel or take specific substances to your altar and see kind of what is coming up for you. Is it some things around addiction? Is it some things around, no, we just really want this? Is it some things around, get this the hell away from us? And then move forward with whatever that feeling is. One of the ways that I offer liquor and many people offer liquor from an African traditional religious standpoint and diasporic standpoint would be to put It's so hard to explain, but basically you'll put liquor in your mouth and you spray it out of your mouth, like in front of your altar. Or if you have shrines, 
for other spirits or pots of spirits, you like spray it from your mouth directly into the pots or around the pot or on the altar or around the altar. And that is a traditional way to to feed your ancestors, give libation in a sense from your own physical mouth. Now it takes some skill because sometimes people just be spitting. You're not spitting on your altar. It's a very... It, it, it's it's majestic. It takes a lot of skill, but when you do it, you just have a perfect spray just kind of come out of your mouth. So that's how people will do it um, in, in various cultures. But if you don't want to do the spray method, just put some in a little glass. I was talking to my homegirl who lives in, she doesn't live in London, but she lives in the UK. I don't know all the UK. I'm sorry to my UK girls because I got a good fan base out there. Hey, y'all. She was telling me how she's Ghanaian. Well, ancestrally Ghanaian. And she was saying how in Ghana, they pour libation using schnapps. Like the fruity liquor. She's like, yeah, that's traditionally what we will do to pour libation is, is schnapps. And I was like, oh my God, I love schnapps. I mean, I don't use that anymore, but I grew up with a mama who used to have schnapps and everything. So I just loved, I loved that concept. So again, spirits, first of all, spirits, hello, spirits, alcohol, they call alcohol spirits. It's all connected. That's why, because spirits really, really love alcohol spirits they come when people are drinking um i have a few medium psychic friends that when we all hang out it's giving liquor and black and mouths and we go like we're just reading each other back and forth talking talking reading shit saying shit that's about to happen in the world and it's just such a it's such an energizing experience but we need that liquor and some black and mouths and we just go and I know a lot of mediums like that too. So if you are a medium like that, welcome to the club. If you are not, please do what works. Hi, Juju Bay. Um, thank you for letting us ask this question. Um, I am wondering, does being under the influence, specifically with weed, um limit or kind of take you away from your ability to hear your ancestors clearly or like do divination or things like that um I've had people tell me that you know it clouds your judgment and it makes you I don't know susceptible to false messages and I'm wondering if you think that's true thank you Thank you so much for that question. It's a great, great question. I got a lot of questions on my Instagram that pretty much were just like that. So I think I kind of have said this, but I mean, sure, it can do that. It, it can do that for some people. It can cloud their judgment. It can make their messages difficult to decipher. For me personally, I, I don't really smoke too much weed when I'm reading because it makes me forget. And then when I have a message on the tip of my tongue and then I forget it, it doesn't work for me. But I, it's not fair to project that onto other people because I know great readers who smoke and can like read you under the table. 
wow high. So it really just depends on who you are and how it impacts your body. I'm not a good high reader, but I know great high readers. So I think we have to stop telling people what things do to them. Like it doesn't, it might not affect <laughs> you like it affects someone else and that's okay. Um, you just have to pay attention to your own body and to your own gifts. Do you feel more connected when you have weed? If so, try it out. Maybe do it sometimes, maybe not all the time. Or is it something that you feel like you need all the time, child? I am not like the 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 divination reader police. Like I'm I'm so not interested in doing that. I want people to do what works for them and to have at it. I just be honest about what works for you. Maybe you need to hit a blunt one or two times because your readings aren't really hitting because you're overthinking it. And maybe you need to hit the blunt so that you can think a little bit clearer and you all those reservations are removed from you so you feel more open and tapped in. Maybe that's what you need if you ain't been feeling it and you don't smoke. Or maybe you need to hit the vape. Maybe you need to have a little piece of brownie, a cookie. You know, whatever works for you, try it out. And see, that's my advice on it, child. I hope that that was helpful to you. Do what works. And I don't believe the people that say you can't smoke weed and be a good diviner or a good reader because that's not true. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju. So remember, y'all, don't juju. feel pressure to do anything you don't want to do and don't feel pressured to not do anything that you want to do that you feel that you are supposed to do or that you can do and it will be fine for you trust your own intuition know yourself check in with your ancestors check in with a good reader and live your damn life of course we have a very real uh, relationship and past history and our ancestors did and trauma around addiction with drugs and alcohol and a lot of times they actually may have some of the answers or insights that we need to figure out how we want to move forward in engaging with those kinds of substances. So, you know, do your experimentation, do your Googles, do your research, ask the questions. I appreciate y'all asking me and do everything with caution and do everything with reverence. I didn't say this earlier, but respect the plant, respect the plant. There's a spirit of everything. So respect the spirit of the medicine, respect the spirit of the, the plant, the herb, the quote unquote drug. I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. And remember, if you'd like to keep today's conversation going, hashtag a little juju podcast or ALJ pod on social media. And you can follow the podcast page at a little juju podcast on Instagram or me personally at it's juju bay. So big, big shout out to my newest patrons. Shout out to Geneva Fowler. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. Shout out to Tree D, Shamira W. Young, Bone Flower, Kamani Harris, Kristen Carr, Lene Turner, Missy, and BB Evan Gerard. Thank you all so much for becoming patrons. I feel like I might've shouted some of you all out last time, but I'm just loving the double energy because I just appreciate y'all so, so much. So as you share the energy of money and abundance with me, 
I am sharing it back with you tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. May you have the resources, may you have the money that you need to achieve whatever it is that your heart desires, whatever it is that you want to give to your community. I pray that you have the opportunity to do so. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with me. And if you would like to get a shout out, please go ahead and join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Bay. There's a lot of fun things we got going on on patreon but especially i want you all to leave me a voice message so on there you can leave me a voice memo and maybe your voice can be featured on the show and i will answer your question our producers are kenya denise and alexandra de palma a little juju is produced by domino sound if you would like to bring me to your school or organization to speak, teach, do a workshop about hashtag black ass spirituality and ancestral systems and religions, you can reach out to me at juju at I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. I've also started doing readings again, readings open for, I book out a month in advance. So on the first of every month, my books will be open for that next month and maybe next two months. So be on the lookout for those. Thank you all so much. I'm so excited that you all are on this journey with me, learning with me, and that we can be in community together doing this this good ancestral work. So I love you. I appreciate you. See you next week. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Later. That's the voodoo. That's the true you. That's the true you. See, your intention is power, and that's the hoodoo. That's the voodoo. That's the true you. That's the true you. And all you need is a little juju.